Welcome in to another exciting episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. We're in season 10, episode 2. That is so hard to believe when I uh, get those words out of my mouth. Season 10, and that's thanks to the listeners and the, the supporters of the podcast, along with my normal co-host, Jeff Lassett. Uh, just tied up um, today, but he will be uh, producing and getting this thing uh, straight. Joining me as a co-host for the roundtable portion of this is Ricky Whitaker. He's no stranger to our Talking Ball, y'all fans. He helps me on Friday nights with Picune Football. He's also the co-host of the Picune podcast when they're previewing and post-gaming Picune Football and uh, one of my best friends in this world, Ricky Whitaker. Thanks for taking time for the podcast, brother. Hey, man, those feelings are mutual, Clay. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on the, any any kind of a show with you, man. I enjoy it. Slick, you actually had, I guess, our latest rendition, if you will, of uh, podcast coverage when you were able to talk to two Picune wrestlers before they competed in their inaugural year in a state championship. And so them and their teammates had a chance to compete just to give our listeners when we left. You you did that in a video form. We'll have the audio edition, kind of how they uh, turned out and what an exciting time for that first year program there with Picune Wrestling. Yeah, Clay, we had uh, junior AJ Colaprath and uh, senior uh, Kate Dessel uh, on, you know, a video portion with us talking about their journey and really just how special it is, man, in, in any sport or in, at any level to take your inaugural season and essentially go all the way to the state championship. And that's what they did. You know, Picune finished uh, their, their first wrestling season ever in school's history, uh, ranked number eighth as a team. And ended up uh, taking some individuals to state as well. Centurion uh, Thomas, uh, she finished second. Uh, Kate Desil finished second in his, his weight class as well. Uh, Darion Champlin finished third. And uh, Aj Coloprath, one of the gentlemen that I mentioned, uh, already finished seventh, uh, along with Tony Brewer, who finished eighth. So, again, just really impressive, man, to, to be able to take a team up there and, and, and compete at a high level with schools that have been doing it for so long. Absolutely, man. And we wanted to get to them first because that's kind of how we left off our last touch point uh, with our audience. Thank you for being able to to get us that report. And so much is going on in the sports landscape around not only Pearl River County, but uh, of course um, in the South. And, and we try to touch on home first, so to speak, and then branch out from there and and in covering our bases we wanted to flip over and talk about cheerleading the pearl river community college wildcats have been able to post back-to-back national champions in uh, cheerleading you pair that along with the picayune maroon tide who finished fifth nationally uh, in their classification and their grouping and the way that they do cheerleading um, over in orlando just a few weeks ago and then Popperville brings home a national championship on the high school level. So um, certainly you and I are not going to be able to get very in-depth in uh, on that, but we don't have to be rocket science, r- rocket scientists or uh, cheerleading gurus to kind of put those numbers together, huh, Slick? Not at all, man. No, that's, that's great for both of those schools and uh, certainly great for Pearl County. Absolutely, man. Very impressive and uh, such a competitive uh, thing there to be able to place so high. Says a lot about uh, those student athletes and certainly the coaches, the dedication 
that it takes to compete at that high a level. And so spring sports slick, some of my favorite times, man, to be uh, covering sports when you look at uh, baseball, softball, track and field, the things that go in uh, to these spring sports. I know you've got a son who's getting ready for Little League. You've got a daughter who's in the midst of um, softball. And so I'm in a similar situation uh, personally. And then to be able to cover some of these on the high school level and a collegiate level, it's just a great time of the year in the South to be outside. And if you're going to be outside, you might as well be watching sports, right? I agree, man. I enjoy it, man. I enjoy uh, getting out, watching Sophie's practices uh, at times, and yeah, being involved with Rex uh, for you know little league baseball. It's his first year, and also soccer, man. It's just a blast. It keeps us very busy. Speaking of baseball, Southern Miss eight and three on the year, baseball wise, on the diamond rank, twenty second in the country. Going to take on Ole Miss tonight up in Oxford. Ole Miss comes into that ball game ten and two ranked fourth, of course, defending their national championship from a year ago. So two good starts there uh, within the state. You've got Pro River Community College defending its national champion and, and community college baseball is well underway. They'll start uh, conference play this weekend. And so baseball out on the diamond played at a really, really high level in our state. And so just a highlight three of those programs of course there's uh, great baseball played throughout the state and then when you look at it on the high school level we've been fortunate uh, to call both Pearl River Central action and Picune action uh, so far both of those teams off um, to a pretty good start as well and then when you look at it on the softball side uh, I've had a chance, I've been privileged to call some Southern Miss softball, Southern Miss off to a really, really good start under first year coach, Coach Poole, really historic start uh, for her first year in the program. And so they've got a big matchup today with Jackson State and then take on Southeastern Louisiana uh, tomorrow night. They'll play that ball game on the ESPN Plus stream, Jason Baker. Uh, we'll have the call. And so that'll be an interesting matchup. You've got KK Ladner coming back with the Southeastern line. She's a former member of the Southern Miss softball program, and she prepped right here in Hancock County. She's actually been on this program. So kind of a interesting uh, twist to that matchup. And Slick, we mentioned track in the spring. Uh, Cole Benoit, a kid that uh, ran here locally at Pearl River Central, a phenomenal runner. We'll actually have an interview with him um, later on in this podcast. So he'll be part of our two interview show. It'll be him and then Coach Ladner for um, Southern Miss. We've had the pleasure of having Coach Ladner on this program several times, and which is really cool to see the way that Southern Miss responded is coaching this year and put together a phenomenal year. So we look forward um, to those two interviews. Cole Benoit, a guy that your nephew in Mason Watkins has competed with uh, on the track and field cross country scene several times. Yeah, man, it's, it's again, it's always really, really interesting to follow all the different sports. There's just a lot of good talent, man, in South Mississippi on every level. And then you mentioned a lot of that already. Yeah, and speaking of talent, man, let's look at um, somebody that stays kind of close to home for you and to the podcast, a guy that we had on a year ago. I was looking back. It was just about this time 
a year ago, and that's Anthony Hobgood. And let's just kind of let you speak to uh, Slick, what he's coming off of and his experience there at the NFL Combine. Yeah, part of what Anthony does is uh, manager of the Exos Gym, and I know he mentioned this, Clay, when we had him on the podcast last year. There's there's several Exos Gyms across the country. Of course, he manages the portion that's uh, there in Gulf Breeze, uh, Florida, just outside of Pensacola, and um, it, it's a lot of fun, man, for Anthony. He enjoys what he does. He gets to work with uh, high-caliber athletes, and of course, this time of year, uh, he's helping guys prep for the combine, and he uh, posted a nice nice video on Twitter on the Exos website, you know, just kind of showcasing. He really was it was his first trip to Indianapolis. He has never actually been there live for the combine, so he uh, documented his journey and uh, sent a nice video over to me, and I got to look at it and just watching him kind of sit up in a war room and, and be able to see on a video screen guys that he's worked with run a 40 and, and maybe hit the time that he was hoping they would hit or they had a goal to hit going in and just seeing his reaction. Uh, he's like a proud dad, man, watching his children. And I guess you could use that, that analogy. Uh, high five in there with his, uh, his fellow um, employees that work there with him. So just a really – really neat journey and really fun uh, he gets to see the fruits of his labor in person and just been a blast man he said he really enjoyed it yeah and you could see that just jump through the screen too they were wise and and using his reaction and and such an animated guy such a uh, guy that you can really feel his enthusiasm and his want to for those athletes um really just jumped out that was really cool uh, to see and I wanted to kind of piggyback and now this is a bit of a leap but maybe not too far of a stretch and I wanted to kind of piggyback on that combine uh, talk with what some of the Picune uh, student athletes have been able to do through the recruiting process lately and, and some of these camps are set up uh, similar to uh, the combine scenes where you can go out and kind of display some individual type um, skill sets if you will and some speed and um two guys that are getting all kinds of attention really probably unprecedented we had uh dante Dadell a year ago get this but it's coming twofold now and uh jamonte waller we call him monte waller throughout our uh broadcast i went to monte when i knew we'd be covering picune and he said yeah just call me monte man and uh so that's what we've gone with on our broadcast he when you see him he'll call you boss how's it going boss and and boss uh is having a good run of it slick is his most recent uh visit he's a junior defensive end will be a senior uh this coming year and his most recent visits and then chris davis is the other young man we'll get to to chris and in, in just a second but um monte's latest visit was with alabama um Got some cool photo uh, ops there with Coach Saban, and Coach Saban probably thinking the same thing. Some cool photo ops with Coach uh, with Monte Waller. But how neat is it to see from your perspective? It's amazing, Clay. I mean, you you go and you look at Rivals.com, and they typically put out um, you know their rankings as far as the top players in each state. And of course, if you go to Mississippi and look at their rankings, uh, Monte comes in uh, ranked number fifth in the state. Uh, Chris Davis comes in at 12th. Both of those guys are four stars. And just starting with Monte, I mean, I think you could uh, really argue that he's probably the most highly touted or highly sought after 
athlete uh, at any sport ever uh, to come through and pick you. And, you know, when you've got the, the, the likes of uh, SEC elitists like Georgia and Alabama calling on you, and then you throw in Penn State and Ohio State, um, there just aren't a lot of schools that take a lot of look at kids in this area. And uh, those are just uh, really the, the, the top of the leaderboard. But, boy, there's a whole lot more than that. So, uh, yeah, he's been very, very highly recruited. Absolutely. And then Chris Davis is going to get um, the same type of attention, um, same type of offers for what he's been able to provide at that uh, cornerback position and then also at the running back position and and your hope as a as a program and as a community and of course we're tied in uh, with picking football we're privileged to co cover their games on friday nights you and david barnett have done a brilliant job with the preview and a post game but your hope is for as a community and a program is that uh the jb mcwilliams of the world the quentin haynes uh the marion tyson that when you dig deeper and look at game film, that um, number three, um, number 29, just kind of jump out. And then uh, Quentin going to get a chance uh, potentially to play some different spots in this coming year. I've uh, been playing guard for Picune. That some of these fringe guys, if you will, that's not even fair to them. Uh, but some of those guys would pop out and they've already garnered some offers, but uh, maybe those offers would start to come in in larger numbers. No doubt, Clay. And I think what you said is uh, you speak to a really good point with that because, you know, really everything is kind of a niche uh, in, in some way. And, and high school recruiting, recruiting athletes, uh, those guys are all connected. It's a small world. So just having the exposure that uh, a guy like Monte Waller and, and Chris Davis bring into the program it does open up the door for guys to get looked at that maybe wouldn't be maybe someone say, well, you know, we're not going to just take a trip to see this one person, but while we're there, we'll take a look at three or four other guys. And then maybe you reach out to someone, you know, in your network, who's looking for one of those other guys that you mentioned has a skill set they're looking for. So I think it's great, man, for the program. It opens up a lot of doors for a lot of other kids to get looked. Yeah. And there's certainly a, a bunch of guys that, uh, I miss there. Those were just some names at, at top of my head. You know, you look at uh, the quarterback position, Brady Robertson, a kid that doesn't get to throw the ball a lot, but he's already garnered a baseball offer. I think Tyron Warren, a kid that benefited from some of that attention. And now I think Alcorn State's going to benefit from him, a senior from a year ago that maybe if you're popping on the tape and you're looking at uh, Big Zay Coleman, who was a, a big-time D1 guy last year, and you're looking defensively and you follow the football and you say, oh, what's this 6'4 guy doing out there wide uh, covering? He looks like a D1 corner. And so I think Mr. Warren benefited from that a year ago. And that, that that's how this kind of plays out, right? You see kids that, you know, they've got that winning pedigree. They've won back-to-back -back state ch championships at one of the higher classifications and all of the state and so then then that that box is checked you don't have to worry about if they're used to winning how bad they want to win and so it's certainly a, a historic time in picking football winning the back-to-back -back championships is history and then the division one kids that are going to come off of uh, last year's roster when the three or four year span plays itself out Darrell Smith for all intents and purposes coming into his junior year just the sophomore as we speak today 
will be one of these kids that um, probably going to be able to write his ticket to most anywhere uh, that he wants to go. That's the kind of skills that he possesses out at the wing back position. We may see him move around a little bit uh, this year too. So just loaded up is this roster uh, coming back and certainly was this year. No doubt, Clay. It, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, man. And, you know, we mentioned Monte and Chris being, you know, four-star guys and as highly touted as they are. But I think when it's all said and done, man, there's going to be a lot of a lot of kids in, in this program that's playing football right now in this picking Maroon Tide team that is going to be playing on the next level. Yeah, you've got some, um, call them kind of young pumps. You've got a Tristan Cooper hiding in weight along with Darrell Smith on that sophomore classification. You've got Mike and Mitchell Smith, the Smith guys, probably going to get a chance to go on and play. So when you look at the roster, we could spend a lot of time. And actually, you and I have plans to do that as a bit of a teaser. Me, you, and um, the Picune podcast group are going to go through and break this roster down uh, pretty heavily. If you're into high school football, we'll have some of those previews coming to you after the spring game. But let's move back um, slick and look at some things outside of the state. It's still local, right? Not too far down uh, the road from you and I. But the Saints making a big signing yesterday with Derek Carr and what, what you potentially uh, think that may mean for the Saints in the coming years. Yeah, Clay, uh, definitely a lot of a lot of Saints fans in South Mississippi. Um, I mean, I think Derek Carr's got some stuff left in the tank, uh, and I think most importantly, uh, he felt like he wasn't wanted and probably hasn't felt that way in, in the last several years with the Raiders, and uh, the Saints have extended that olive branch. They do want him, and you look at his stats, you know, he was kind of middle of the road, 14th in passing yards, had around 3,500 he was just outside the top 10 at the number 12 spot with passing TDs. But the one one area of concern would be his INTs. Uh, 14 put him tied for third. But you look at the weapons that he's going to potentially have, and it was really just an odd season for the Saints last year. Of course, it starts with their big playmaker, and that's being Michael Thomas. We know that his contract was restructured uh, going into this year. So question marks around him. Is he healthy? Is he going to be willing to play? And then, of course, they end their year with uh, their their top draft pick from a couple of years ago at the wide receiver position, a guy who we think is going to be a superstar, and that's Chris Olave from Ohio State, he and Jarvis Landry both being on IR. If those three guys can get on the field healthy together, I think he's going to have some weapons around him. And, we, you know, we'll have to see what they do in the draft. Um, but he's certainly got the weapons. And, you know, you mix in Alvin Kamara, a little bit different look than, than a Jacobs that he had more of a bruiser or kind of a thumper guy, as you like to call him, Clay. But somebody who he's going to be able to get the ball to outside, uh, you know, in the backfield and, and routes outside of there. So, He's going to have a lot of weapons. It's going to be fun to see. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Carr coming over from uh, Las Vegas and the Thumper. And then you mentioned AK in that answer, man, waiting for kind of the legal system to play itself out. But that's a potential real landmine in all of this, right? Slick, if he has to miss uh, any... I mean, the, the personal side and the legal spot, that's one. We're talking sports here. I don't want to get into anything other than the impact on the Saints. But if he misses extended time, that that really dents the offensive production if your tailback's going to go uh, and have to leave your football team for an extended period of time. The Saints really have a question mark uh, there. Is that something they may uh, address in a draft? I think it's a it's a very high possibility, Clay. I mean, I think you have to really be more 
proactive and less reactive in a case like that, but certainly is a gray area right now with uh, a lot of unknowns and a lot of uncertainties, but uh, definitely something that the Saints have to be aware of. Yeah, I think so too. It'll be interesting to kind of see how it plays out. I know that you kind of nerd out on that um, on that draft stuff and you try to find some of those hidden gems. Any any names or anybody that kind of jumps out at you at this point, Slick, after seeing the combine coverage uh, last week? Well, there, there's there's almost too many to name, Clay. I have to go back and look through my notes because I've got, uh, got quite a bit of them. Um, man, I think all the, the guys that we all kind of know about already, we know that quarterbacks are, uh, are really uh, probably going to fly off the board pretty early uh, in this draft. I think that in some of those cases, guys are going to be willing to take a shot um, early uh, on some on some guys at the quarterback position. That may play out really well. It may be a, a nightmare, but uh, I think that's really what we'll see in the draft this year is quarterbacks being being taken often and early. Were you surprised at the numbers that the kid put up from Florida at the combine? I mean, I think from watching him, there were a couple of plays that uh, stand out that showed that he was a, a freakish type athlete. But good gracious, man, he put up uh, some numbers that in some uh, mocks have him going higher than expected, huh? Yeah, he, he does, man. He's one of those freakish athletes, as you mentioned, really started the year off with a, a, a lot of hype and it kind of, and it started to level off and really go down a little bit as Florida just didn't have the year that they typically have, not a Florida-type year. But you've got another SEC quarterback there in Kentucky, and then probably the guy who's at the top of the list is is at Alabama right now, and he's probably the guy who will be off the board number one. Yeah, interesting to see, man, is um, who's willing, to, and it's hard to even say a chance, but when you're talking about that pick and then some of the measurables and how – uh, you hate to keep talk, talking about a smaller quarterback. He really didn't measure all that small, but can he hold up? And uh, maybe Tua and, and some of his injury issues in Miami certainly going to be held against him. But we'll see how that plays off. So we can't, uh, we can't go um, out of this roundtable and get to our interviews until we mention uh, Picayune basketball. We're able to play for a 5A state title against Hattiesburg came up a bit short. So credit and tip your cat to Ernie Watson and his crew there, the Hattiesburg uh, Tigers. But that's back-to-back -back years that Picunes made it to the Final Four a year ago to the championship game this year under the direction of Coach Eric Vianney. And you talk about team chemistry and what it must have been like. You had um, the chance and we had a, uh, the opportunity to call a Picune ball game earlier in the year together but what does that say about a coaching staff and teammates that you welcome in uh, Darrell Smith, Tyron Warren, and Nike Ratcliffe from football? That's a date all the way back to, what, December the 3rd or the 4th before you're able to get them. You had played close to, I think, 20 games at that point. Uh, maybe not that many, but it played several, several basketball games by that point. You welcome them into the fold and then go on a wrong run and almost win a 5A state championship. Yeah, Clay, it was, it was really enjoyable to be able to, to cover a game with, and you, you did a really nice job of following those guys. And I think you mentioned it. You know, it was a team that started out kind of middle of the road and then, you know, having your three of your really – very important key guys come in from the uh, the football field and 
the late run they that they made, um, as you mentioned, going late into December, coming in and really having a gel. But, you know, you've always said this, being a basketball guy like you are, you know, it, it's really key to gel at the right time. And, man, those guys just started to, to get really, really good and gel together as the season really got close to playoff time. And they were riding on that on that high. But, um, man, just the, the way that those guys defended it, I mean, then you add in – the intensity of someone like Darrell Smith with a shooter like Carter um, and, and the guys that were already on this basketball team, those guys came in and it was such a good complimentary style that added to what they already had. It was a really good run. Again, just I think it puts a lot of pressure now on the baseball program, right? Because football's yeah. done well, uh, basketball's done well, so uh, you, your wrestling's done well too, so we got to keep this thing rolling now. Yep, it's their turn, right? Slick, I can't thank you enough, man. We've got uh, the two interviews following this roundtable will be a lead-off from uh, Cole Benoit, and then in the two-spot today will be Coach Ladner up from Southern Miss. But I wanted to thank you again, Slick, for this roundtable portion. Had a lot of fun as usual. Hey, thanks for having me, Clay. It's always a blast, man. If you're looking for a place for that much-needed pregame meal, a place to just take in the game, or a place to have your post-game celebration, visit Champion Sports Bistro. They are a family-oriented sports bistro located at 113 West Canal Street in downtown Picayune. With food and drink specials throughout the week, Champions is a great place to enjoy lunch or dinner. They are open Monday through Thursday, 11 to 10, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 1. Champion Sports Bistro is Picayune's Bistro for Champions. Johnson Farms and Meat Market. Where can you find a full-service butcher shop that carries only the finest beef? From Mississippi farm-raised corn-fed cattle? Why, that would be Johnson Farms and Meat Market in Picayune. Shop at johnsonfarms.com or stop in at the corner of Highway 11 and North Hall in Picayune. Johnson Farms and Meat Market, where quality beef begins. We're now joined by Mississippi College and former Pro River Central Blue Devil, Cole Benoit. And Cole, let's start this way, man. You're on the road. Tell our listeners where you're headed. Yeah, so, yeah. so um, I'm actually on my way to Virginia Beach. Um, we're, doing, we're in the season right now for track. And uh, my team and I qualified for the Nationals meet. So we'll be racing this Friday and Saturday. Cole, talk about the way that you've been able to run of late. If I've been following along with this Mississippi uh, College track feed on Twitter over the last three or four months, you've been able to put together some PRs and some of your uh, better times. What's led to that? And, and if that's bad information, please correct me to the listeners. No, saying you're accurate or bad. Um, uh, I mean, it, the first answer is just this program here is incredible. Um, Something really special about Mississippi College is that uh, we all center Christ in everything, and I think that's been a big factor of why we've done so great these last couple months. Um, but really, I mean, it's just we've set up. There's that, and then we set a good team culture of like we we run for each other. And uh, the last couple months that we've been doing an indoor season, we've been um, pushing forward towards this goal of national that's like, coming up this weekend. And it's just we uh, every time we race, we race for each other. And I mean, personally, I've had some incredible times, like you said. I've uh, I PR in, in um, the 3000, 3K. That's actually what I'm going to run at Nationals. And then I was part of a DMR, which is a distance melody relay that my team um, 
that we, we set a school record as well, and we also uh, qualify for nationals in that event as well. Tell a Cole, uh, tell us what the uh, medley, tell us what that all involves. Give us a little more detail yeah. on that relay. Yeah, so yeah, so it's, uh, it's four people and they run four different distances. So the first distance is a 1200 meter, the second distance is a 400 meter, then you have an 800 meter, and then a 1600 meter. And the reason this race is so impressive because to, to have a good distance medley, you like you have to have a great team. Um, you can't just be really good at the um, 400 or you can't be really good at the mile. You've got to have four different guys on one team that can do it. So uh, it's always an impressive feat to be a good distance mile relay squad because it shows that you have a diverse group of guys on your team and uh, it's something that's kind of like a, it's more of a talking note than anything in the, in the college realm. So Cole, which leg of that um, do you participate in for Mississippi College? Yeah, so we ran our time a couple of weeks ago to qualify for nationals. Uh, I actually ran the 800 meter, which is a half mile. Uh, I did that. I ran that in a 152 low. <laughs> um, but uh, this at nationals, this me coming up, I'm actually not going to run that leg. I'm going to run the 1600, which is just um, nine meters short of the mile. It's the anchor leg, and that's what I run at nationals. So the training difference between, or maybe the mindset. Uh, difference between that cold pretty drastic i would think with the with a different distance right mm -hmm. um so there is definitely a, a difference between those differences but the one thing that i really appreciate that my coach does is that um he trains us to be well-rounded athletes not a one event or a one trip pony he says uh so what that looks like is that like during our training program I'm, i've never been training just to be an 800 meter runner um, that was never the goal coach training to be able to run on any given week, and I can PR in a half mile, a mile, or a two mile, which is a 3K race. Um, so training-wise, it really isn't that incredibly different. Um, the stuff that I'm doing is it's, it's preparing me for both the 800 and the mile every week. Um, and obviously, as we get to nationals, um, toward the late half of the season, we can start focusing more specifically on that pace to like get a little better. But throughout the season, our training is pretty much well-balanced for both events. So, Cole, y'all's training and y'all's running. I, I love to run. I, I really do. Um, but what you're describing here is a, a different type of running um, than what I do. So, music-wise, like, is this something we have earbuds on or, or running to? Like, is that is that part of y'all's uh, program or is that yeah, not something yeah. you do running-wise? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's different for everybody on the team. Um I will say is that uh, most of our track workouts, which would be your fast stuff that we're really going fast up, no one has headphones in because, um, I mean, you, you got you got five, six, seven teammates around, you got coaches yelling stuff, so headphones really are that thing. Um, some people do use headphones and earphones for um, long runs and, like, easy recovery runs. So long runs are running anywhere from 12 to 18 miles. Um, if you're with, with our team, typically we're all running together, so we don't use that because we're all talking and stuff. But during the summer or just like a time when you're running by yourself, like some people use headphones. But personally, I'm a, I'm a naturalist, and what that kind of entails is that I, I like listening to myself breathe. I like, I, I enjoy hearing just like my breaths and have everything aligned. I don't listen to music, but I have a lot of teammates that do hear a lot of music on like those recovery runs and long runs. So that's interesting, Cole. It uh, would you tell us kind of if you if you have like a set uh, breath to stroke rate or, or something that mm -hmm. that you use? Would you mind sharing that with us? 
Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, when it comes to running, one of the, the biggest things to run better is um, being able to run calm. Um, some people that are new to runners don't know much about it. They'll just they'll get into it and they'll start breathing really fast and like really fast and think, oh, if I breathe faster, that's better for me. Um, in reality, it's not really that true. Um, what what I like to do, and it's it's just the uh, most important is to breathe in your nose and out your mouth. And uh, it it's it's more important to have slow, deep breaths than fast, quick breaths, especially if you're just going for like a, a jog. Now, if you're doing a sprint workout, then you're going to breathe a little harder. If you're going for any normal jog or just for a normal person to jog, like, it's more important to have deep inhales through your nose and deep exhales through your mouth. And what that does, it allows you to um, be more relaxed and not get uh, tense because people that breathe fast, they'll, they'll tend to pull their shoulders up and be tight and they'll get real tense. If your muscles are tense, you can't run as well. It's, it's, it's physically harder. So by having those deep breaths, you're allowed to just stay a little more relaxed and stay relaxed longer, even though eventually you will start hurting. That's inevitable no matter how many of a runner you are. Cool. So I use running and walking as a, a stress reliever. If it's something you're doing as a, a competitive thing, you have to do you have to do something different from this to find yeah. find that outlet? And if so, what what is that for you? Sorry, you're cutting out. Can you say, repeat that? Yeah, Cole. So I use running and, and jogging and walking as kind of a stress valve for me. But if you're doing it like you are at that speed and in a competitive way, is there something you do uh, different to relieve uh, stress or, or is running still the same in that aspect? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think running is just an incredible stress reliever, no matter if you are a competitive athlete or not. Um, the thing I enjoy about running is really – the only thing holding you back is yourself. Um, so what that allows is you to really, like, if you're getting more competitive, is to push those boundaries a little bit more. And uh, for me, like, I mean, a stressful day, I get to go with my teammates and just um, work next to them, work hard, like, compete against them. And that really, like, that just that effort that does it, it's a good stress limit to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I have to really much stress in the other way. Honestly, I think running does it tough for me. Cole, when you look at it after a long road trip like y'all are on to Virginia Beach, I'm an old man, man. So when I drive more than a couple hours, I'm unfolding myself out of the vehicle. What does it look like for y'all training wise after uh, this kind of drive to to round yourself back into shape for the weekend competition? Yeah, that's fair. So um, something that we're really good about is when we do these long drives, we drive all day long. Um, our coach will intentionally schedule spots for us to stop midway and run or stretch. Um, so yesterday we, we drove 10 hours yesterday and around the five hour mark, uh, we stopped at the park and at that park, we all were required to get out the van and um, stretch. <coughs> um, some of our sprinters don't do like runs, but they were having like, and it stretches and active, um, active movements to get their blood flow in. Um, I think what that does, that really helps us not be as sore when the trip is done. Um, and like another thing is like whenever we do finally make it to Virginia Beach, like we'll do another stretch and stuff, and like we'll utilize cold um like um cold baths and stuff like that, mm -hmm. like big ice baths to like get our muscles ready and everything, and like foam rolling and all those good um health things. Awesome. Well, Cole, look, Pearl River County will be pulling for you, man. It's been following. We've been following along with you and um, cheering you on from a distance, and that will continue. So continue the good luck and good uh, good success and good luck this weekend. Yeah, I appreciate it, Thank you for talking to me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Cole. 
It feels good to buy local. Whether you're supporting your community's small businesses, family-owned restaurants, or Farm Bureau Insurance, the local agents at Farm Bureau Insurance are dedicated to always helping you protect what's important. Farm Bureau Insurance is headquartered right here in Mississippi with local agents in your community. If you're shopping for car, home, or life insurance in the Popperville area, call Kate Amaker at 601-795-4585. Or if you're in the Picayune Carrier area, call Robert Hester, Lane Kazan, or me, Ross Gilbo, at 601-798-2861. And go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau Casualty, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. The Greater Picune Area Chamber of Commerce provides the tools you need to succeed as a business owner and community influencer. As a member of the Chamber, your commitment has personal payback. The Chamber offers numerous opportunities to get involved throughout the year, whether it is through networking events, committee involvement, community programs, or special events. By taking advantage of the Chamber's resources, your business can develop and thrive. Visit us at greaterpicunechamber.org or drop by our office, which is located at 201 Highway 11 North. Now let's join Clay Sweet as he sits down and talks to USM men's basketball coach Jay Ladner. As I was complimenting Richie Riley, the coach of South Alabama, I said, you know, Richie, I said, that's a heck of a note to have to, they were preseason two in the league. Of course, just got off to a horrendous start, but it, it, it also they're a great example of just hanging in there, you know, and they were one in seven in the league at one time, one eight of the last nine. And, and, you know, but they, they didn't panic, you know, they just kept, they kept battling and, and getting some stuff straight and getting some personnel straight. And, and they, you know, ended up being, if they'd have made a few free throws last night, they'd have won it. They had a, just an awful uh, night at the foul line. And, uh, but, Anyway, I, I told him, I said, what a heck of a reward for winning the league is have to play you guys first. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, and Coach, and so to get a game under their belt in that facility, too, that, that didn't help yeah. either, did it? Well, no, I, I, that's a disadvantage. You know, and I, I don't know if you heard my post-game comments, Clay, the other day, but I, I commented on my high school experience because, like, you know, of course, when I was coaching at Stanislaus, Picky went through the same thing. If you won South State, you you would, have, you know, in the old format. Sure. When they had, you know, they would take six teams, and you you know that the, and the team that won South State or North State, you got a buy, but you would you would generally sit out nine or ten days before you play, and that, and and they coaches were all the time bitching about that and saying that that was a disadvantage. And I felt the same way on this thing. I said, man, we got a double buy, but the other team will have the advantage because they're going to have played inside the arena, which would have been a first for us. We didn't even get a chance to shoot, you know? So we had to go to a local high school. And uh, anyway, it, it, was very, it was very similar to that. But and it is what it is. I well, and then the injury prior to, Coach, I mean, I guess uh, now after the fact, I know you spoke about it a little bit uh, post-game and have to kind of be secretive before, but how long did you know injury-wise? And, of course, that, that's big for game planning, but, I mean, that, that, that hurts, right? Yeah, we uh, it happened in practice on Wednesday, and it was the most non, you know, 
it wasn't like any came down on anybody's foot or anything like that. Of course, you, you're probably aware that he's had a he had a surgery last year and then he missed 17 games earlier this year after starting the season. Same thing. Um, and it's just the way that he moves his foot sometimes. And, and the, as the way the doctor explained it to me, he said it's just, he's got a, a pretty long screw in his foot. And and he said when when if it just happens to that screw moves one way or the other, it, it, you know, um, with a lot of pressure on it, he said it just it's 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 like taking a screw and screwing it in, into like your muscle. Yeah, very, very painful. Mm. And um, he said that. And, and now the other part of it, the good part of it was like we, we of course, they did a, a immediate x-ray, no bone damage or anything like that, which was good. And uh, so we kind of they, they gave him a shot, a steroid shot. They gave him all kind of pain stuff. They felt like that he would be able to possibly play, but he never could put a lot of uh, pressure on it or anything like that. So of course he doesn't play. We're under the, uh, you know, for Thursday we're going. Okay, maybe he'll be ready to go by Saturday, and we're going to definitely sit him out. So we sit him out of practice Thursday and Friday, and just hope it's a game time decision. And of course, leaning on our doctor and, and the trainer, and uh, so he tries to go warm up uh, Saturday, and he just couldn't go. You know, Golly. just no way he could, he could mm. function. Yeah, and that was that was a killer, and. Uh, course he he's a you know he's a difference maker as you know out there so what we're probably going to do clay is go ahead and um he and i are going to meet in the morning but i but unless he's like really improved we're probably going to go ahead and they want the doctor based on that evaluation you know they wants to go ahead and go back in there and and take that screw out Wow, and they they feel like that his bones and everything, which is good. And yeah, of course it'll be a temporary setback. He'll probably miss the NIT, um, but it'll get him you know two weeks ahead of his recovery, you know, for next year. So that's the exciting thing, and we you know we'll probably go ahead and do that. Coach, I've hit record. Are you good with this on, or do you want me to yeah. formally start this no, thing? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, okay. Not. That's all. Hey, we, you we went into the medical coach. stuff, and I was like, well, "Let me make sure Coach knows I'm recording." Yeah, yeah, no, that that's uh, that, and of course that's me. You know, that could that could change, but uh, you know, that's that they, they we're not gonna hide that if 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 it'll be official here in a day or so. Once once the doctor make they've already started making those plans. I'll just tell you that. Perfect. All right, Coach. Let's look at your year, man. Like we started with a tremendous um, turnaround, twenty five and seven to this point. The the two spots that jump out to me, and you feel free to um, to give us your perspective if you would, but back-to-back Fridays in early November, the win over Vanderbilt and then the win over Liberty. I was calling Picune uh, High School football on those Fridays, and I can remember um, checking my phone and that Vanderbilt score was pretty cool to be able to update our listeners. That was a 6 p.m. start, and so I was kind of able to break that news to our Picune listeners. But is that kind of where your team really got some belief, Coach, or was there a different point throughout yes. the year? No, I think you're you're right on. I think those both of those games, uh, and of course when you come off 
Clay, the you know the the type of season that we had, and no 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 excuses, no blame. I you know I'm responsible for the direction of the program, and it just we just didn't have a good year. And uh, but I did felt like I did feel like uh, after early in the uh, in our summer last summer, I knew that we were going to have a better team. You just knew. I mean, you just could. You, you we're better. We were just better overall. Our culture was good, and uh, better talent, better better depth, better size. Uh, everybody, the returning players had improved, and we had of course gotten very lucky in the transfer portal and picked up some help. So, I but but with that being said, you know there there's still there was still a lot of skepticism. There was still a lot of you know lack of confidence. Uh, I, I should say, you know, even even on even though as a coach I knew we were going to be better, that's a huge test, uh, Clay, to go into Memorial Coliseum against the SEC team who had four starters back sure. from a really good team last year, and and but that with that game it was like boom, you know, of course, you know after the game all that was a fluke, and <laughs> you know they caught they caught Vanderbilt uh, off guard and. You know that type of thing. So, of course, we flipped that around and used that as motivation. That hey, guys, nobody's convinced, and and uh, then well, of course, and and and, and it kind of tried to tie Neft into that too. You know, Nefta plays really well at Vanderbilt, and uh, so you're starting to kind of see what our team could be. And then, uh, of course, we come back home for a non-D1 right after Vanderbilt before we go to Liberty. And that's when he got. That's when he he did the same exact thing to his foot then that he did now. Of course, he ended up missing 17 games. Well, so then we go to we go to Liberty, who's I don't know Clay how much you know about Liberty. Of course, they're a perennial NCAA tournament team. Um, they won 25 or so games already this year. I don't. I think they got upset in their conference championship the other day. So I don't know if they're going to make it or not. I'm assuming that they. We'll have a good chance in a at large because they've been such a good NCAA tournament team. But anyway, we're going to go to Liberty, and of course, everybody's you know the the the, the experts are like, well, that was a fluke. They're, they're they, you know they're not going to be able to beat Liberty. We'll see what happens at Liberty, and uh, and the, that's one of the the most odd games, Clay, that I have ever been involved in. We we could not have played any better. Our guys were highly motivated, and I think we got up 28 at Liberty on Liberty. Uh, and and they have an incredible environment there, packed house, beautiful facility, loud and boisterous. And and Clay on the road, it's like playing picky and picky. <laughs> when I'm at, you know, it's a <laughs> man. And uh, the whistle changed at the half, and 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 in the, in the environment, I mean, they got charged up, and of course, they were a couple of guards that are really explosive, and the momentum changed, and and but we were able to survive. They, I, I can't remember now exactly. It seems like it was just years ago, but I can't remember if they tied it or even went ahead or cut it to one. But anyway, it got real, real close, but we were able to hold on. We made some play, didn't lose totally lose our composure and we were able to hang on at the end and and to echo your point and I, of course i added a lot of context that's when i knew i knew if we could go to vanderbilt and win and we could go to liberty and win that we had a chance and then of course we left liberty and straight from there and went to cancun 
and and of course played uh, uh, we, we have played Winthrop, who's been a perennial NCAA tournament team. Of course, I don't think they had quite as good a year. And I mean, I, I think we ended it. We beat them about twenty five or so, and then we played we played Indiana uh, or excuse me, Purdue, Fort Wayne. They were favored to win their league. Of course, we won both of those games in double figures. And at that point, I think our confidence was very, very high. And, uh, and, and so, yes, to answer your question, when, when we went to Vanderbilt, went to Liberty and won, I think I, not, the, the coaches and the players knew that we had a chance to have a pretty good team. Coach, you bring up the uh, coaches there, and I think y'all survived like a 27-0-something crazy run from Liberty. I don't know how you win a game and survive that. but One of the craziest things I've ever been involved with. And so, Coach, you had uh, Crowley, who you're learning about. You've got Hase, who, Hase, who you're learning about. But then your staff, too, Coach. What did you kind of learn about uh, your new staff through, particularly the Liberty game? I mean, you learn a lot about people when things go haywire kind of tell us what you learned about your staff during that game well i'll tell you this um and i've told them so i'm not and i've got coach carson in the in the truck right here so i'm not just saying this to blow smoke because he's heard me say this many 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 times in fact most of the time daily that I have been really really blessed clay of course we had our back to the wall and and last year was professionally speaking was a very very dark time particularly at the end of the year i'm competitive uh this is my program uh i haven't been able to deliver results and i mean it was i didn't know if i was gonna have a job or not you know i mean i know our business uh now my boss never i, I will say this i i was never called in by my boss and said hey you know we're going to, we're going to see what happens with, you know, that type of thing. So I will say that the pressure that I'm talking about was my own and also knowing the business. And of course we had some coaching chat. We had, we had a lot of player turnover at the end of the year. Uh, some, some, uh, you know, that, that some unscheduled and maybe a little bit scheduled, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then, the same thing the same thing with our coaching staff i mean and of course you have coaches they they're they're feeling like you know the pressure and they're feeling like well maybe you know if i can get a position somewhere else i can stay in coaching or stay at this level and look looking for other opportunities and and i didn't blame them one bit because it wasn't it wasn't our coaches any any that's why i take responsibility anything that any player that we recruited or any coaching decision that was made uh that you know i'm in charge of it the buck has to stop with me and so i've never been one to blame our coaches or players and it, it I, I take full responsibility but also take full responsibility for trying to to fix it and to answer your question i could not have been blessed with with a better group of, of men harder work and i've never seen a group of men uh, and talk about our staff work harder than they do and they are they're they're great people great uh, uh coaches they they know the game they're 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 tireless skill development guys and and, and what i mean by that is they are always i mean a hundred percent every day uh, there hadn't been a day goes by that they don't have our players in there and i mean working the way you're supposed to work on getting better every day and that's one and i give them the credit 
for guys that uh, as they as they play as you know like a DeAndre Pinckney, different <laughs> player than he was last year. Denage Harris, different play, all for the good, of course. Different player than he was last year. Mo Arnold, and I, I, it was just such a positive influx of of positive thinking, coach. We can do this, and you know, the, I guess not. This isn't a funny thing; it's an ironic thing. They, our coaching staff, had a prior to this year has a total had a total of one year of Division One experience. Wow. One, and and that was that was uh, uh, Juan Cardona had one year at Mercer. And uh, so, you know, that can be a little bit overrated, too. But what we got was a hungry group of coaches that said it. And, and, and look, I was very upfront with all three of them, Clay. I was, and, and, and Zay would tell you, I was very upfront saying, now, listen, I want you to understand what you're getting into. <laughs> we won seven games last year. Uh, the chances are if we don't get this thing turned around this year, that you know we're all you're probably going to be looking for a job so i want you to know because if you've got family like coach juan he's got six children yeah and and four of them are second grade down to toddler you know <laughs> so i said he, 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 uh, please I, I i want you to know before you get into this <laughs> clay that you know in march next year we may you you, you may sure. not have a job and and i got I mean, you're gonna have responsibilities we have as men and fathers and uh, I, I didn't want to be in any way painting any kind of picture other than what it was. And so uh, uh, Nick Williams, uh, Nick has two small children. Same thing with him. Of course, Zay's not married and doesn't have any children. He was uh, uh, maybe a little bit different. But, but anyway, all of them embraced that challenge without hesitation and said, Coach, we're going to turn this thing around. And, and their, their confidence and, and work ethic – infused me it 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 gave me back a sense of of uh of confidence and 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 battle and said man let's go you know because i they were they just took it on and said coach we're not gonna fail we don't have a bit and their whole thing all year's been we ain't got a plan b Hmm. this is our this is all we got and all of them of course were were just basically in their first years of division one uh and of course juan had gone from division one back to high school and he was like I want to be a division one coach. So we don't, we got to make this work. And so that us against the world, back to the wall mentality, they, they literally came out when they, you know, you heard the old saying, you got your back to the wall. You can either cower in the corner and take a beating or you can come out swinging. And they came out, they, our staff, I think took the attitude. We're going to come down. We're going to come out swinging. If we go down, we're going to take some people with us. And it's, it's been that way every single day. They, they, they coach every day, Clay, like, like it is our last day and that's why or and like we're coming off of a loss and you know there's a there's a sense of urgency there every single day and even though we've had a great year in in a record-breaking year they still they they coach like that because they're like coach we 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 didn't get done what we're supposed to get done we we're not going to ncaa tournament now we're we're happy to still be playing we've had a great turnaround but they're already looking forward to next year, you know. So it's exciting time, um, and and I learned a lot about. You, you talked about uh, being down at, at, or giving up that twenty-something zero run at Liberty, and I've never felt more confident in my life than, than the, with the, the the coaches that we have on our staff. They're good to make adjustments, suggestions. Um, don't take things personally when 
when I don't take a suggestion, you know, and, and maybe they'll say this and, and or maybe there's different opinions on the bench, but they, they work together like a team, just like we expect our team to work together as a team. Our coaches really work together as a team. Coach, did you know what you had in AC when he made the, the decision to come to Southern Miss? I mean, obviously he was going to be a good player. Our eyes told us that. But did you know exactly what you had in him and what a tremendous year he was able to put together? Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I, I Not to the extent. I, I knew when you looked at him, just the eye test. Of course, I was familiar with him. I had... Kermit Davis at Ole Miss and I are good friends, so I, I, of course I had watched him play, you know, when I could, when he was playing at Ole Miss and they were on TV and schedule would allow it. And, um, and I knew he was a good player. But of course, he averaged, what, four or five points a game at yeah. Ole Miss. And yeah. uh, so, you know, I, I kind of figured that he'd have a chance with more minutes to do a little bit better, but I really didn't have any idea. And, it, and you know, Clay, what endeared me to him or what endears me to him is a lot of time he was a top 100 recruit out of high school and of course signs with Ole Miss goes there and has a solid you know I mean he's playing it's not like he's you know relegated to the end of the bench I mean he's part of their playing rotation he starts for six weeks while uh, Deshaun Ruffin was uh, had a broken wrist um, all that but what endeared me about him the most is when he came, when he decided to come to Southern Miss, he didn't come with the attitude a lot of guys that had his background or pedigree and come down with an arrogance. Well, Mm -hmm. I've been at Ole Miss, and I'm going to go down to Southern Miss. They only won seven games last year. I want to shoot every ball. I'm I'm going to take it easy at practice. And Basically, he didn't have an entitlement attitude. In fact, it was the other way around. He came in and said, "You know what? I got something to prove, hmm. and uh, I, I'm a I'm a better player than I've been given credit for, and I'm Southern Miss is in the same situation that I'm in personally, and and it just kind of paralleled each other. We we were we were fighting for respect as a team, and he was fighting for respect. And this can of course, it's you're asking me this question, and it's coming on the heels of him not receiving the Howell Award. Yeah, and hmm. this is." No affront to to Tolu Smith because I love Tolu. Tolu and his brother hmm. uh, played when he's there from Bay St. Louis. Sure. And they went to my little basketball camp at St. Hmm. Stanislaus. They played in the little bitty league we had. I've known those kids. Their dad's a great guy. Their mom, Miss Chanel's great. <laughs> and uh, so they, I promise you, there's nothing, no issue with that. But but Austin Crowley's team, he came and and came into a program that won seven games. This year they set the school record for, for twenty and, and, and have twenty five one of the biggest turnarounds in Division One history and 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 win only win the second outright conference championship for the only the second time in USM Division One history since nineteen seventy one. Win the league, I mean, has has better numbers. I mean, I'm not sure what else you could sure. do. And if, if there's not Clay a a uh, case for SEC bias among the media because they're the ones that voted on that, I don't know. I don't know what is. And in fact, there's a lot of people kicking me back today, not mad at me, but going, you know, we need to quit just even being part of that deal. 
Yeah. You know, they're there because it's not even fair. And, uh, you know, and, and again, I try to be diplomatic because I'm, you know, I understand how these things work, but that they, it's hard to, it's hard to defend it, you know, and, uh, and as I tried to tell Austin, of course, he was distraught about it yesterday or disappointed, I should say. And I said, hey, AC, it's just the, that's just the way it is. And I said, use it, turn it to motivation and, and be back here next year and, uh, make it, make it where it's not even, they can't even have a choice because that's the only way a Southern Miss guy is going to win it. No, so, I agree with you, Coach. I echo yeah, what you're but, saying but, there. But, Clay, he, he is our – he among, we have a hard-working team, as I mentioned with our assistant coaches. We have a very hard-working team. But when your best players, and he's one of them, are your hardest workers, you got a chance. And he, he's one of those guys that works so hard every day outside of practice. He's there early in the morning at 6. We have a morning practice slot. We generally start practice around 8.30 or so. Um, and, and, and But he's usually in there around 6, 6.45, working on his game with one of the coaches every morning. And uh, and a lot of times he'll come back at night. In fact, he worked so hard, I was I had to tell the assistants, I said, hey, y'all need to back off hmm. him a little bit, you know, because he's, he's playing a lot of minutes and, we don't want him worn down, you know, toward the end of the season or getting injured, you know, that type of thing. Coach, I hope that this is going the way I plan, but I would assume uh, Picayune guy Mo Arnold well, was be one awesome. of those hardworking guys. And just kind of the the strange way that Lord works things out, you get a guy and Mo Arnold that played for one of your uh, former guards and one of your former uh, coaches. So, uh Kelton uh, KT has uh, a little touch on Mo Arnold, and then he ends up playing for you. How what a strange twist that is! And I'm sure he yeah. kind of came pre-programmed to you, huh, Coach? Clay, here here's here's a story on Mo, and he I don't think he he would uh, would mind me telling this story. So the year we're recruiting Mo when I'm at Southeastern Louisiana, of course Kelton's helping us, right? So I'm. I'm in Kelly Wise gym a lot, and uh, and that spring, of course, I get the job at USM, and and go up there, and and I don't really after signing day, and during that time, Mo kind of panics a little bit. Of course, I dropped the ball a little bit, and and not quite knowing if Mo was, I didn't really know what I had at Southern Miss. Basically, is what it is. And in the meantime, Mo takes an offer to go to Jacksonville to play and uh ironically uh our second year at usm he he we go to jacksonville to play they're on the schedule and uh, of course he just works us over <laughs> and um you know and uh, of course i know him and his family's got a great family and uh and then of course the next year they 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 uh he, he's going to transfer it that was after a second year so but here's here's the transfer deal. So of course we we keep an eye on the transfer portal. You know we see that his name was never in the portal at that point. And I got a call. I got a call from Coach Shaw, and I got a call from um, and, 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 and and of course Dean and I talk. You know pretty good. Dean and I are a lot better friends than people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. And, 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 I mean, and we laugh about it all the time, and people think that we don't like each other. But I, I can assure you, I, I, there is nobody 
that I've ever coached against, even at this level, that knows as much basketball or I have as much respect for as I do Dean Shaw. So, and I and I think it's mutual. I I, I do, uh, but uh, I, I don't know about the knowing basketball part. But I know that <laughs> we're, we're good friends. If you know what I'm saying. Sure. So Dean calls me. He calls me at the office. He said, "Jay, I need to talk to you." I say, "Hey, Dean, what's going on?" And he goes, "Well." We got through the howdy do, so to speak, and he goes, "I want to talk to you about Mo Arnold." And I said, "Oh yeah, what? what I, I said, "I like, I like where this is heading, Dean. What's going on?" And I said, "Is he thinking about transferring?" He said, "Well, Jay, he's already left." And I went, "What?" And I said, "Well, he's not in the transfer portal. I haven't seen his name." And and Dean said, "Jay, he just, he just, he just got unhappy at Jacksonville, and he said he's working in Hattiesburg at Walmart." Hmm. And and this is a true story, Clay. And I said, well, what? I said, Dean, is he is he just not going to play basketball anymore? Or what's going on? He goes, well, he said, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm trying to help him, and I don't really know. And and, and he said, but I, I would love to get in touch with him, and let's see if we can't uh, and, and, you know, try to help him. And I said, Coach, I said, I promise you the situation we're in. And I played against him. I said, we would love to have him. So he had already left Jacksonville. So I called KT. I said, KT, just got a call from Coach Shaw. This is what's going on. He said, Coach, I hadn't even heard that. Let me call him. I said, I'd love, if he's interested, I'd love just to sit down and talk to him. And so, you know, all that starts working. Dean gets in touch with Mo. KT gets in touch with him. He comes by the office and sits down. And just said, and it started out, Clay, he was so burnt with basketball and in his situation at Jacksonville that he would, this, and again, I don't think he would mind me telling you this, he was just about to give it up. Hmm. And and so the first thing that he decided to do, he said, well, I'll come to USM, coach, he said, but I'm not really 100% sure if I want to play my first year. I think I'm just going to redshirt. And uh, I said, well, no, you got to get yourself together and decide what you want to do, but you know, if, if if that's what you decide to do, I don't know. If we we got to have some immediate help. I don't even know if I can put you on scholarship. So, of course, he talked to his grandmother, who's Miss Charlene, an unbelievable lady. Mm. And she said, well, Coach, if that's the case, and I said, but it, if he does decide to play, well, of course, we'll put him on scholarship, you know, because we're very limited. I said, I can't just have a guy sitting out not being 100% sure if he was wanting to continue his basketball career. Well, as he got going and got going with our team, you know, naturally, yeah, that just kind of took care of itself. And, of course, we had a scholarship waiting on him, went ahead and put him on. This was that first year. It, it, that all just kind of worked out. And, um, and it, it may, but man, you talk about a guy uh, tough. And I, I, I give that Picayune credit. Of course, I got a little Picayune blood in me, as you know, Clay. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm like, man, he's got that. He's got that, some of that just so tough for a river. County, what I what I experienced as a as a coach playing against those teams, what I saw from Dodge football teams, their baseball teams, they just got a edge in that community, and that's the way they do it. They're aggressive and tough, and Mo Mo truly exemplifies that. And I mean, not the flashiest guy all the time, but he's just so freaking rugged. And uh, I mean, for 30 minutes the other day, he took the best guard in the league, and I mean, he shut him down. He did. My, yep. my fault was, my fault was Clay. If I had to do it over again, I would, I would, I needed to sub him just here and there, just here and there, just a minute or two, just to get him out. And what ended up happening is I wore him out for 30 minutes, and, and when Mo finally 
fatigued a little bit, that kid kind of started getting going. So that, that's on me, not Mo, because Mo gave it everything he could. But you talk about somebody that's been a great player for us this year that doesn't get the credit that Hase and Pinkney, Pinkney and, of course, AC get, but that has just been as, as uh, integral to our success. It's him. And the exciting thing is, is he's back. As we were talking about Alvarez being back, he's back. We we got a we got a really solid group of guys back for next year. It's exciting. Coach, I, I promise you, ten or fifteen minutes. If you allow me one more question, I'm way over no, my time hey, limit hey, with you. Let me tell you, let me let me tell you this. You have always been good to me. Uh, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, Clay's. Uh, I said he gave us credit when I was at Southeastern Louisiana I said if, if, if he calls I'm gonna work out of time to do it so you you know I'm driving so you 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 use me for whatever you need and I'll be glad to come back on if you ever need well thank you for that coach I always appreciate you I was gonna ask you coach guys like Mo guys that logged the minutes last year and and were those were tough minutes to log how cool was it for you and for those guys to see Reed Green slowly become what it can be and to go perfect at home. Clay, one of the most heartwarming things that I've ever been, I've been a, I've been a head basketball coach for 32 years, and one of the most heartwarming, heartwarming deals for me throughout in my coaching career, and I've been fortunate, I've had great guys, and I've been, the Lord has blessed me with success and championships and all that, but one of the most heartwarming things for me are guys like Mo Arnold, DeAndre Pini, Denaje Harris, Tyler Mormon, um, uh, uh, Trey Alfonso, Tate Ryder, uh, Jeff Armstrong. I think I covered them all. Those guys stuck in there when when the, when when society to, tells them to leave and, 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 and to take the easy way out. They hung in there, and they all have provided us a stability and a core from last year, they, they suffered, you know, I, I know I did, but you know, they, these are kids and they, su I'm, I, I'm okay with suffering, but it, those guys were, were there during the tough time. So I, it's meant a lot to them to turn that thing around. And, and earlier this year, before the season starts every year, they have a, they have a deal, you know, where Brewski's is club. Yeah. Yeah. In Hattiesburg, sure. you shouldn't know, but you probably know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to so, say something like so that to you too, Coach. <laughs> they, they, have a, they have a preseason kind of kickoff party, and it has the cheerleaders and the Southern Misses, and it's uh, season ticket holders, Hardwood Club members, this and that. The interest in our program had dropped so low, and the anticipation was so low, we had 26 people there. Wow. 26, mm -hmm. and, and Felipe Hase counted them, hmm. and he made a comment afterward. He said, Coach, they may have 26 there tonight, but we're going to have one of these at the end of the season. I promise you won't be able to get everybody, anybody, everybody in there, and that, that's a true statement. Wow. And, and, of course, to me, I'm thinking, well, these guys are just saying all this. You know, that sounds good. We'll see if, you know, once we go through the wars if that's the truth. But on, on your comment about the guys – that have come in back. It's, it's been a heartwarming story for me and a great lesson to young people that the grass is not always greener. Mm. And sometimes you've got to stick it out. You've got to, you've got to fight. You've got to work harder. And good things will happen for those people that will stay the course. 
and and they're a great example of that. They've gone from worst to first, 14th in the league preseason to number one, and they will never that will never be taken away from them. They made they absolutely made history and one of the biggest turnaround turnarounds ever in NCAA basketball. And 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 yes, we got beat the other day in the conference tournament by a very good team, and give them all the credit. But the fact is, is this team won the league outright during the regular season when nobody gave them a chance. It wasn't like we were picked second and we won it. This team was picked at the absolute bottom, and they and, and they figured out a way to win it. Not because of me, but because we've got a, a family team approach, staff, and our players bought into all that as well. And they love each other. And, and I, I say, because people say, Coach, what one thing? It wasn't one thing. It was, it was a, a staff that believed. And they worked together, and it was a group of guys that came back that from last year's team that provided that that herd as motivation, if that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. And then you had an influx of some talented players who fit right in, and they all had some. All of them had a different story to prove on their own. Austin Crowley, uh, Felipe Hase, of course, Neftali Alvarez. You know, we could just go down the down the line of those guys that made such a big difference. Coach, I promise you one more. I'm going to ask this. So the waiting the waiting game um, to figure out what's next with the NIT, what does that kind of look like, and how do you stay sharp uh, between now and then? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you what our flow is. We, we, uh, we have, of course, the guys were crushed. The coaches were crushed. Um, I encouraged the coaches, and all three of them did. We, we actually left Saturday. Of course, we played in the morning. And we left late Saturday afternoon coming home. The rooms were paid for. I, I encouraged the coaches because all their families were down there. Mm. I said, hey, y'all stay down here a day or two, whatever you want. Just you, We won't play again for another 10 days. So y'all, y'all if y'all want to stay, you stay. Of course, I came on back with the team, and, and they were able to stay down. And so we gave them, all, them and the players off, although you can't keep them out of the gym. The players were supposed to be off till tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Um, but of course, in my office day, I hear bang, 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 go out there, and there they are out there. Where, you know, a bunch of guys getting shots <laughs> and working, and uh, didn't take much of a break. But anyway, wanted to give them a little break to kind of regroup, uh, not just physically but emotionally. Some of them had been fighting some of this crud that's been going around. We've got uh, some ankle injuries, just different stuff, not not any, all normal type stuff at this point here. But we'll start back tomorrow morning, um, full scale. We'll practice tomorrow morning. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. On Sunday, uh, we're we're going to go down to Fourth Street uh, for the NIT selection show. Mm. Um, uh, if, if you know where Fourth Street sure. is, on there in Hattiesburg. Yeah. And uh, you should, Clay, you shouldn't know where that is either. <laughs> you yourself away. That's the food. But we're going to go down there with Slade White and Eat and uh, and and kind of see where we are. And of course, the first round games are Tuesday and or Wednesday. So we'll play somebody somewhere between Tuesday and Wednesday. We we certainly think that we deserve a home game and a high seed, but you know those things are beyond our control. Uh, we're a top 100 team in terms of uh, uh, debt and all that, and uh, and have had a, had a great year. So hopefully we can get a home game out of it. But if not, we'll be prepared to go on the road and whoever they throw in front of us. 
Coach, being from Picayune, it's tough for me to get to Reed Green. I don't get there as much as I should, but I wanted to mention this group to you. You seem to really appreciate uh, the job that media does around your program. Uh, Lee Roberts, uh, Larry Boyd, John Cox, and then pinch hitting a few times yeah. along the way, Chris Harris. And you talk about yeah. belief and around the program. I think even during the, the lean years, and I think that's fair, Coach, they've been uh, – positive and, and painted a program in a, in a nice light. Clay, you have to, and I would include you in that and, and several others, and all haven't been like that. And and I have no problem. Look, criticism comes with my with my job, and, and, and I, I deserve some. I do. And I, I'm probably getting now getting a little too much credit. <laughs> it's and, funny how that I, works, huh, Coach?
And he's still calling today. Mm. And I fast forward to just the other day. He's sick as a dog. Yeah. When you mentioned a crud, Coach, I was thinking uh, Coxie may have gave it to y'all. He, he was calling me so bad on the bus, I almost threw him off the bus. I said, man, John, you're going to get everybody in here sick. And he, he was struggling. Hey, he gets in from our game. You know, the last week we played at uh, uh, Texas State, and we, it was on a Friday night. Of course, that's when we finished uh, winning the uh, regular season championship. So we, we fly back early the next morning, of course, typical Southern Miss travel. You know, we're not on charters. We, <laughs> we got to get to the airport and get to New Orleans and bus back. Well, they were playing baseball that afternoon. So here's a guy sick as a dog, flies back with the team, goes straight to the baseball game. Hmm. And, 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 and ironically, in that baseball game, we end up going 13 innings. So it just, <laughs> just what I he mean, needed, yeah. Get a break. <laughs> yeah. And then Chris Harris, you know, Chris, when John's got football, Chris is kind of our fill-in guy. And, uh, of course, he was in Cancun with us because John was staying back doing football. Those are four great guys. And, man, I, I, I'm, I'm just so personally blessed uh, with the people that – we're surrounded by and they're good men and, and I just I can't say enough good things about how much it, I admire those guys well coach I, I appreciate your time as always good luck uh, to your son I know you're traveling um, to do that so safe travels and, and good luck on that yes absolutely there you're gonna pass through God's yeah. country for 30 or 45 minutes yeah. so y'all enjoy that very soon. I was, I was born at the old Crosby. Of course, they changed it now. I, I was born at the old Crosby Hospital right there, Crosby Memorial, where it used to be called right there on the boulevard. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, good yeah. stuff, Coach. Well, I appreciate it, Coach, and good luck in uh, the NIT. And maybe we'll get a visit when we're uh, in that Final Four of that deal. Amen. Well, Clay, if you, uh, if you need me, you call me, okay? Thank you for having us on. Oh, thank you, Coach.